haven't done in a long time, and that is have a regular Wednesday prayer and Bible study. It is a first for having that regular Wednesday prayer and Bible study on our Facebook network. So we welcome those who are joining us today from Facebook and uh, welcome you to be a part as well. It is it's good to be here. It's good to see you. And uh, one of the things that's special about the middle of the week is this the coming together of God's people, the refreshing uh, fellowship that we have together in the middle of the week. It does me well. Um, weeks are hard. Um, and sometimes it's a lot of work to prepare for midweek service in the middle of a busy week. Uh, we have all the other activities that we're involved in as well, like truth seekers going on next door, um, ensemble practice, choirs, um, praise team, all those things going on, and, and uh, many of us are involved in all those different parts. But to come together and see one another again and be able to pray together is important. Um, there were, during this uh, COVID uh, time, um, some people were, uh, um, well, government were portraying things as essential and non-essential. What a poor choice of words in terms of what is really essential. I hope you realize that serving God is essential. Prayer is essential. And we're here gathered today uh, to remind it God is and, and uh, our responsibility um, and how important prayer is in, in our fellowship and our walk with the Lord. Today I'd like you to look with me chapter 12 is the passage that we refer to on Sunday morning when we were looking at the topic of having a godly um, um, perspective and keeping a godly perspective in, in all that we do. And so I just want to look at that again to, tonight from this passage, Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read the first eight verses so you can look and follow along with me. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, and what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say, be one among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I'm stopping there, but I think the passage goes on and give some specific examples and specific exhortations to us. It starts off 
by saying how we are to act. And look at verse 2 when it says, do not be conformed to this world. We're reminded that we are to be distinct in our living, and to do that, we need to be distinct in our thinking. That's another way of saying what we talked about on Sunday, and that is to have a godly perspective, to think through our lives as God would have us think through. And so he gives us the how-to in verse 2. How do we do that? How do we gain a proper perspective? He says you do that by, first of all, not being conformed to this world. In other words, when we are conformed to this world, when we're bent in the shape of this world, then we will lose our godly perspective. When we fit the pattern of this world, when we think like this world, when we react like this world, we will lose godly perspective. So he says, do not be conformed to this world. Um, what does it mean to be conformed? It means to be shaped like this world. One of the things that I like to do is work with wood. One of the most difficult things to do uh, with wood is to, to shape it in a pattern that it does not normally want to go. <laughs> to make something round. One of the things that I worked on in my home is I have, um, I have railings um, that are along my step and my front steps and they curve. And people come and they look at that and they say, how did you do that? They know you didn't go to Menards and just buy those because they're not made like that. Um, so you have to make them. And so you have to take extra steps to make that wood conform to what you want it to conform to. The Bible's telling us not to be conformed by the environment that we're in. One of the things I noticed from wood, if you put it in a moist environment, it will warp and it will bend and it will twist. It will conform to the environment that it's in. The Bible says as Christians, we are not to conform to the environment we're put in. We're living on this world, but we're not to be like this world. So it says, do not be conformed to this world. And it says how to. How, how do we do that? But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It starts with our thinking and that thought processes that we go through and the input that we put into our mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Um, one of the reasons why we prayed regularly is it reminds us of who God is, that he's real. We sang a song on Sunday, My God is Real. That song's been ringing in my mind all week. Yes, God is real. We're reminded that we are not just speaking up into the air when we pray. We're speaking to a personal being who is real, who is living, who is sovereign, who is present, and who's almighty. We're reminded of that as we pray. We're also reminded of our need, that we need him. And so we, we pray 
and, and it continues, it, it, it has us to focus on who God is and who we are. Uh, didn't we sing another song on Sunday, Standing in the Need? Standing in the Need of Prayer. It reminded us that we're in need of God. So we come here tonight to remind ourselves of those truths. And so we reflect on that, and that's part of the renewing of our mind. But our mind is, is, is renewed by God's input that comes from God's Word. Then he tells us what's the impact of this renewal. He says in verse 2, <clears throat> Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. This transformation that comes from God's word renewing our minds enables us to understand God's purpose. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may, uh, it says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. This godly perspective then allows us to understand and embrace the will of God. We need to understand God's will. If we, if we, we need to uh, be in tune with God's will. We need to understand it. We need to follow it. We need to obey it. And so, by renewing our mind, it says, be, re be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that, or that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we should be sifting through our thoughts and sifting through God's thoughts and understanding what God's thoughts are and what his purpose is in our lives. That's a daily process that we should be going through. He goes on in the next section, starting at verse uh, 3. Talks about how we're individuals, but we are a group. We are, we are individual, but we are connected with each other. And that's intentional. We are to be connected. Here's how we are to think. He says, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Then he says how we are to think. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So he goes into this bit of how we're individuals and we differ from each other. We're unique, but we have a unity together. And he explains it this way. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. That's important to realize. There's one body, there's unity, but there's diversity. Many members, in other words, different parts of that body, and each of those parts have different functions, but we should function as one. And he's saying how the body of Christ is to operate. If I'm going to understand and have a godly perspective, I need to know what my role is in the body of Christ and how I'm to function, and I need to know how that role interacts with others and how I am to be united and in unity with them in Christ. So it's a challenging 
um, um, thought that he has, and he, he tells us how to go about that. First of all, by how we are to think soberly about ourselves. And when he's teaching us how to think about ourselves, he's saying, understand yourself individually, but understand how you fit in God's role for you. Um, that's a process um, that, that we, we need to be walking through and thinking through um, each, each, each day and each time and just contemplating that. God, what is, what is my responsibility? What is my role? What am I supposed to be doing? And I need to recognize that that role is, is unique, but it's not separated from my, everybody else. How am I to function in this body along with the other members that you have placed in that body? Let's just summarize as, as he goes through verse 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us let's use them so he acknowledges that we have we've been given different measures we've been given different abilities we have different functions and we're to use those but we use them as we work together understanding um, the mind of God understanding having a, a godly perspective we see ourselves in connection with God. We see each other and how we are to function together in connection to God. We relate that to, to prayer tonight. We have concerns that are not just our own. We have concerns with each other as a group as we pray for one another, as we pray for the needs of each other. We have individual needs and we have collective. We, have, we recognize the needs of others in this body. It's saying we rejoice, rejoice. We hurt when others are, we are corrupted. And so we pray together. So let's keep, come together to pray tonight. Good evening, saints. We back. Praise God, we're back. So for our time of meditation, we're going to be back in the book of John. I know I've been uh, with you guys on Facebook Live, but it's just not the same as being in the flesh. So I hope that your spirit is ministered to by my spirit. But there's also some things that I've been, doing, I've been seeing on Facebook Live that's help me to grow, so I'm going to continue to do some Facebook Live and um, just some regular meditations, adding to that to our, um, there's nothing wrong with having, you know, it's like a pitcher in baseball, just because you got a good fastball don't mean you need to, don't need to throw something else out there, and so we, we got more pitches now since we've done Facebook, as a church we've expanded, and what that means is um, God wanted us to go through things that we went through so that we would develop as a church. And I believe that we're going to go on a growth spurt as a church because of these different ways that we've been getting out the work. We've been interacting with people. People have been able to turn us on right in their houses. And what I would like us to do is just keep on expanding it. So you see a meditation pop up on Tuesday. Hey, you don't have to watch it that, that minute that it's live, but it's going to be on there. So when you need to watch it, when you want to watch it, you can't. 
And the pastor might give an encouraging word every once in a while on a Thursday. And you'd be like, I need it on Thursday. And so that's going to be good for you. And that's going to be good for me. And so I'm just encouraged by that. But just be praying for me. I am a little bit sick. And I'm also I'll just be praying for my grandpa. He's always on my mind um, as he's been going through some tough times that we thought that we might lose him. But he's still with us. So thank God for that. But if you can't learn to meditate in times like these, what's the point of meditating, right? So let's get into his word, John 6. Feel stuffed up. So what I'm going to have somebody do is, um, why don't somebody come up here and can read John 6 through verse 15. And I'll give you a mic if you could just read that. one through 15. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Thank you. Now, we've been talking about looking at God's word the proper way. What is, let's talk about this. What are keys to understanding God's word? No matter what, um, where are you looking at it? What are the biggest keys to understanding God's word? Context. Okay. The author. All right, let's explain that. Come on, can you explain what you meant by context? Okay. Got you. Got you. And the author. Got you. So, the author and the audience. That is definitely a big and important. Who else got something they want to add in there? Keys to help you understand God's word. Hmm. Okay. All right. Okay, so let's modify that a little bit. When you say read it to the end, let's say read it to a complete thought, right? We want to have a grasp of reading it to a complete thought because you can catch somebody in the middle of a sentence, right? And if you twist some sentences, you got people saying all kind of crazy stuff, right? 
And that's how a lot of false religions get formed. They'll take a sentence out of nowhere, and they'll just start believing in that. And, and where did that come from, right? They took that thought and left it, and it actually had an ending. In the beginning was the Word. The Word's with God. The Word was God. You switch one word around, and now you got the Jehovah Witnesses, right? What else? Any other keys? All right, so I think you guys hit on it. That's really good. Biggest thing that you want to look at always, and I always say this, and it's a combination of what you guys are saying is this. The big view is the best view, right? If you look at God's word as a whole, let's talk about what is God's word about? What is about? What is God's word about? It's about himself. Definitely. What's the point? If you read God's word and you don't get this, you missed it. What is that? Fill in that blank. If you don't get Christ, you missed it. Right? There are some things that we have to get from God's word. We have to see Christ. We have to see the wholeness of it. Right? If you don't understand that God's word is a whole, right? We call it a word. And that's a funny thing to call it a word when it's all these words, but we call it a word because it's one complete thought. And if we don't get that as a complete thought, we're going to get into being a false teacher ourselves. We're going to take a verse out of context. So we know the book of John is written by the Apostle John, and it's written for a specific reason. And that reason appears to be so that we might believe. So now what is Jesus trying to do to get us to believe in this chapter? This author had a reason that he wrote chapter 6. And he's sitting there talking about the time that Jesus made the loaves. What about that makes us believe? Okay. It's a miracle nobody else could do that. What else did Jesus want them to learn from him making that? Let me ask you this. Why did he ask them he said to one of his apostles, you do something about this. Or how much, how do you think we can do this? Why do you ask that question? Show them their need, right? Show them their need. That's one of the reasons that sometimes we have a problem with the prosperity gospel. The thought that you can preach about what God does without speaking about man's great need. If you don't preach about sin, Joel Osteen's of the world, what good does it do? We have to talk about the bad guy. We have to talk about what we need to be saved from if we have a savior. So these people don't have food. They're gathered, and we get the context is this. It's Passover time. It's like festival time. There are always crowds around in the Jewish world during this time. And these crowds went and followed Jesus out into the wilderness where there is no food. And Jesus feels compassion for these people, and he asks his apostles, hey, how are you going to feed these people? They're like, what? We never even thought about that, Jesus. But I think the first thought we have to have is this, that Jesus cared about feeding them. If that was me, I'd be like, y'all came out here to get your own food. You didn't think about that? You're a grown man. But that's not what Jesus said. Second thing that we notice about this is that Jesus wanted them to know that there was a need that they couldn't fulfill. 
The third thing that we want them to, Jesus wanted them to understand was that there was something that they had, but it just wasn't enough. They did have fishes. They did have loaves. It just wasn't enough. It was enough for one boy, but not enough for the whole. But I do think that there was something that Jesus didn't want them to believe. And when you look at that last verse, it says, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew. There's something about this that made people believe something about Jesus that he didn't want them to believe. And I think many times in the world we talk about what Jesus is, but I believe there is also room to talk about what Jesus is not. Jesus was not their king to establish their political goals of that time. Jesus is not, how do I say this? Jesus is not your mule. You know what a mule is? In drug terms, a mule brings there somebody's drug from one place to another. Jesus is not your mule. He is not the one that carries what you want carried where you want him to go. And if you turn on the TV, you see lots of people turning Jesus into a mule. If you're gay, you make Jesus support being gay. If you want somebody to not judge, you support Jesus not supporting people judging. If you're a Republican, you make Jesus a Republican. If you're a Democrat, you make him a Democrat. If you're a socialist, you make him a socialist. And at the end of the day, Jesus stops being Jesus, and he starts to be somebody's mule. He got to do what you want him to do. And then he stops being God, and he starts being genie. And genies are very powerful, but they only do what you wish them to do, right? This is not the kind of Jesus that we see that he wants us to believe in. He's not the Jesus that fulfills all your wishes. He's a Jesus that does the will of God. That's the one he wants you to believe in. So that's it for our meditation. I praise God that we're back together again. just want to bring a little word and just thank God for being back here. It's an encouragement to see all you guys again. It's just, it's touching to be in the church of God, isn't it? So praise God. Be encouraged that you're with the people. Good evening, everybody. So what I want to pray about today, or I have a couple of people pray about, I mean, is just the focus on us getting back together. So we got True Seekers starting again. Um, we got church servants starting Wednesday again. So what I want to have the prayer focus on is I want to focus on um, the growth of true seekers that um, will get families interested in being involved, even those that aren't necessarily a part of our church because we have this to reach kids. And kids right now don't have a lot of outlets because a lot of stuff's being closed, schools are closed. So this is an outlet, an opportunity for them to get together and hear the word of God. Um, the other thing is I want to focus on just that God stirs up the hearts of the people, that they start coming back, that they take advantage of the service that we're having. Um, this is a, a great service, great prayer service, um, that he just stirs up the heart of his people. And then I'll close this up. I'll have two or three people pray, and then I'll close. Continuing in prayer, Lord, we just lift up this ministry here. We just praise you for allowing us to come together and 
uh, worship you, to pray to you, Lord. Um, we know that you are a God that hears our prayers. We ask that you continue to stir up your people, um, not only in this church, but in the churches abroad, um, all across our country and all across this globe, um, to get together and to begin to um, fellowship amongst each other, continue to study your word together as you as intended it, Lord. Um, you've intended that interaction between the saints, Lord, not um, interaction behind a video camera, but in life interaction being poured in each other. We ask that you just stir them up, stir them up to um, want to attend church again, to find the ability to be here. Stir those up who aren't a part of our church, Lord, who have children who um, could utilize true seekers, that these kids can hear your word, Lord, um, that we give, that you give us the opportunity to give these kids your word and um, continue to use us, use us in a mighty way in your city, Lord, in a place that really needs your word. In your name we pray.